Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. As always, I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, Today, I am actually a little bit in awe at the minute. Um, I am joined by sporting royalty, really, by Lady Mary Peters, founder, of course, of the Mary Peters Trust. And Lady Mary, you are so welcome to the podcast studio. Oh, it's so nice to be here, Sarah. It is lovely to to have you in the studio. Um, Obviously, I have watched you um, and all of Northern Ireland has just supported you all of these years. But for those who maybe don't know or need a little reminder, I'm just going to go into a little bit of background first. So, Lady Mary Peters is a Northern Irish former athlete best known as a competitor in the pentathlon and shot put. After moving to Northern Ireland when she was just 11 years old, Mary trained as a domestic science teacher before competing in sport. Now, this ultimately led to Mary winning the women's pentathlon gold medal 50 years ago in the 1972 Summer Olympics and setting a world record that still stands today. Mary has been an inspiration to so many people throughout Northern Ireland and further afield and she really brought people together in those very dark times and times of trouble through her sporting triumphs. We really could get behind her. Now, the Mary Peters Trust, which really Mary is here to talk about today, was established to create an ongoing and meaningful commemoration of her gold medal win. The Mary Peters Trust are Northern Ireland's leading sporting charity. And what they do is they help young people, both disabled and able-bodied, achieve their sporting dreams and ambitions. They also work with corporate businesses to help support athletes in Northern Ireland. The Trust has given over 4,000 young people the opportunity to pursue their sporting dreams and represent this part of the world around the globe. My goodness, Lady Mary, when you actually sit there and you hear somebody do an introduction like that, what an intro. Um, And so hard to believe that it's 50 years since you wowed the world uh, in uh, Munich. I know, it's amazing, but please just call me Mary P. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of being a lady, but I don't... Do I you find not it, like the title? Well, I find it embarrassing. Oh, do you? <laughs> I'm only me. Aww. And, you know, um, sport brought me wonderful opportunities. I mean, I've travelled the world and made great friends, and I still keep fit and healthy. And uh, I just want to give the opportunity to the young people that you've been talking about to emulate my success or to continue in their sport to enjoy the fitness of it even if they don't become successful as I was but you know there are ambassadors they're the future of this country and if they've been dedicated in sport they can go on to be dedicated in business and in life So if we talk a little bit about the journey, first of all, I can't have you in the studio and just talk about all that you have achieved. But when did your love of sport start? I had an older brother 
three years older than me, so everything he tried to do, I tried to do better. Have you any brothers? I have no brothers. I have a younger sister. Okay. But we were competitive too. <laughs> yes, you do become a competitive. And so we, even as children, we were brought up during the war years in, in Liverpool, and we used to run across the fields and climb trees and jump ditches and do all that. And then we came to Northern Ireland, and I competed in the uh, Ballymena uh, intermediate school sports and won the all best all rounder mm. and at the age of 11 so it was lovely to take a prize home to my mum and but when did you realize that maybe you or maybe when did somebody else realize that you had something that was a little bit special well after being in in Ballymena for a few years my dad uh, was given promotion in his insurance job and we went to Portadown and the headmaster there was an English man who who respected me as an, an incomer and looked after me uh, as a new girl in the school in fourth year and he, we were playing cricket badly one day. <laughs> and he came across and he said, Mary, there's an athletic coach in the other field. I think you should go and join the boys. So that was good news. <laughs> and did you find that you were often with the boys? Yes, right? yes. And, and having a brother, it was no issue or no problem. No problem at all. So this man called Kenneth McClelland was a student at Stramillis who had been a former pupil and came back to coach. And so he started helping my brother and I to do better within our own abilities and encouraged us. And then one day he said to me when I was 16, would you like to try a pentathlon? And I'd never heard of it. Who had? Well, well, even (laughs) now, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed to say I had to Google just to see what the sports are involved in pentathlon. Does it actually exist anymore? No. Uh, maybe at junior level, but no, it's the heptathlon which uh, Katrina Johnson Thompson yeah. does, and uh, Denise Lewis and uh, Jessica Ennis, who have done been so successful in sport. But in those days, there were n- were no pentathlons, and this was the first Northern Ireland Championships, which was being held in Ballymena, and there were two very famous hockey players called Thelma Hopkins and Maeve Kyle. Thelma Hopkins also did athletics and was an international Olympic long jumper and high jumper, and at one stage held the world record in the high jump, and Maeve was a sprinter for Ireland. And so they were competing, and I was 16, and I came third. Oh, my goodness. And so Dad was enthusiastic for me and sent me over with my brother to the British Championships. And I changed in the workman's hut and and got ready (laughs) at Birmingham University. And I came second in the British Championships. So people started saying, this girl has talent. But I was no good at any one of the sports to be an Olympian. So remind us of all of the sports involved? It was the 100 metre hurdles, the shot put, the high jump, the long jump and the 200 metres. Right. So to do my first pentathlon I had to learn to put the shot and to hurdle. So my dad made me some wooden hurdles so that I could practice and then I started breaking the Northern Ireland record for putting the shot. But each time the shot weighed a little bit light, it should be four kilos. And if it's a tiny bit light, it can't stand as a record. So Dad went to the foundry and poured it down and got me one made the correct weight and the correct size. I love it. He totally invested and believed in you. Absolutely. And that support, I suppose, is, is what made you... 
what you are today. Absolutely. What you are today. And for my 16th birthday, you gave me a load of sand for a high jump pit oh. in the field behind the house. <laughs> <laughs> and it was even worse for the 17th birthday because it was a shop put circle, which was made of cement with a wooden board. <laughs> And you got those as your birthday presents. You're probably delighted, though. Well, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. You but know. you knew that the hard work had to go in as yes, well. Yes. Did you did you envisage where you would actually end up? Did Never. you ever think at that Never. time? Never. Never had any uh, plan, really. I just loved athletics. I would have travelled anywhere to run or jump or throw. And so um, my first experience of international sport was the Commonwealth Games or the Empire Games which they were called then in 1958 in Cardiff and I was 18 I did the shot put and was 8th out of 9 the high jump and I was ninth out of 10 and our relay team got through to the final because somebody else dropped a baton (laughs) but you know whenever you're actually training for so many different sports all the time how which do you think was it was it the shot put you were the best at yes yes okay i don't think anybody else has ever put further in a pentathlon in the shot and that world record from from munich still stands today i also was googling last night is this true you represented northern ireland at every commonwealth games between 1958 and 1974 um, so you had your Olympic golds, you also had two golds in the pentathlon and a gold and silver in the shot put. Yes. Wow. I know. I know, but it was a great journey and I made so many friends and had such experiences and have no regrets for the time that I invested in that because the changing of my life through success in sport it is just immeasurable because I just love life and get to do nice things like this. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 What do you remember then about 1972? As we've just said, it's, it's 50 years ago since that amazing success in Munich. Um, it was a turbulent time in Northern Ireland at that time too, but everybody seemed to be behind you before. Do you remember the build-up? Can you remember anything about it? I remember uh, about six or seven journalists inviting me to the Europa Hotel in Belfast to interview me the night, a few nights before I left and saying to me, how, to think, how do you think you're going to do? And I said, oh, I'm going to bring the gold medal home. And they all looked up to the sky and thought, oh, this girl has some idea in her head. And I, for the first time in my life, I really wanted to win. Northern Ireland was at a sad situation. There were 500 people died that year, you know. And I was uh, aware of it, but very concentrated on my performances. I had to change my high jump style to the Fosbury flop, which is going over the bar backwards, which Dick Fosbury had invented at the previous Olympics. 
and it all worked for me. And when I went to Munich, I really believed I could win. I wasn't the best. I was only fifth in the rankings. And the local girl, Heidi Rosendahl, was the favourite. And um, I beat her by a tenth of a second <gasps> out of five events over two days. A tenth of a, a second. second. Did you know you'd won or did you have to wait no. to that last second, literally she, last tenth of a second to find out? Well, she came across to me because she had heard it earlier being in, in Munich and being uh, German. She was able to hear what was going on and she came and threw her arms around me. And last autumn I went back to Munich with uh, some of the other previous winners and we were done, we've done a doc- documentary from American company. And I was looking up the up at the imaginary scoreboard to see my time coming up, which was vital for my success. And I felt a hand on my shoulder, and it was Heidi, oh, <laughs> the girl lovely. that I had beaten. And we just hugged and hugged each other, you know. And that's what sport's about. You're giving me it's goosebumps. <laughs> Did you have goosebumps friendship. when you oh, stood absolutely. there again? Was it emotional? Yes. Oh, very, very. And we are we have remained friends, and we've met up over the years. But uh, she's coming over to celebrate with me on the 3rd of September Is this she? year, yes, uh, with her husband and uh, we'll have another reunion. Oh my goodness, I'm not sure when people are listening to this right now, maybe that's just happened, wouldn't we love to know, <laughs> we'll have to come back and tell us all about it. Um, as I said in the introduction, I mean you had a really unifying influence on Northern Ireland, the majority of people got behind you. But sadly, when you returned from Munich, yes, you were hailed as a hero and you must remember the welcome home from people. I loved it. But at the night that I won, uh, a message came through the BBC that if I came home to Belfast, I would be shot and that my flat would be bombed. <sighs> and my father had turned up from Australia. He's been living out there a number of years. And he had turned up and I hadn't any idea he was there. Gosh. And uh, they brought him out live on BBC television. And then we went to this party in the British Olympic Association house. And um, I I felt some unease and I said to my coach, what's happening? And he said, nothing you need to know about. Oh. And then they told me that they had told my dad and he wanted me to go back to Australia with him. But of course, I was coming home. So it was a difficult time and... Um, there was a lot of security when I came home. But, you know, nobody was going to harm me. I was only an Olympian. I wasn't uh, involved in any politics or anything related to the troubles. And I wanted to bring some good news home. And was there anything else? Do you think that was just a one-off call? Because, Absolutely. as I said, the majority of people, well, they just they just adored you, didn't they? And you were such a positive message from Northern Ireland at that time. Well, I felt that. And I was able to go up the Shankill and down the falls and collect money for the running track, which now exists as the Mary Peters track, you know, which was my uh, idea of a legacy for my success. And... Uh, and as a result of that, we I had a lot of publicity, and that's how we set up the Mary Peters Trust, yeah. which was is so important to me that we can have the next generation being as successful in sport. So how did that actually come about? Because you, you, you started it back in, well, a couple of years after 72, so in 1975. That's right. Well, we couldn't collect for two charities at the same time. I was collecting to build the track, and so we we called it the Ulster Game uh, Ulster Sports Trust at that time because it 
it didn't conflict with Mary Peter's track. track of course. <laughs> and a man called John Moore from Coleraine decided that it would be a good legacy and that he would like to support it and gave us some money to set up the trust. And then it has just grown and grown like Topsy over the years. And um, as you said, we've helped 4,000 young people get on the r- rostrum to success. We have... Uh, Commonwealth, world, European, Olympic champions that we have supported, and Paralympians. And uh, go on, drop some names there, Mary, <laughs> because you've got quite um, you know a a, a, ver- a variety of people, all sorts of wonderful names there. Well, Graham McDowell, when he was going off to an American university, we gave him a thousand pounds, which in those days was a lot of money, and he always remembers that. And uh, Alan Campbell, the, um, the rower? rower from Coleraine, and he. he he got a, an Olympic medal and he, we bought him a boat at, uh, to make him successful. Carl Frampton, Paddy Barnes, uh, Michael McKillop, who has five Paralympic gold medals. And I've run out of counting Bethany first swimming oh, medals, incredible. another Paralympian swimmer. And uh, we have um, Jimmy Kirkwood and uh, Stephen Martin, who won gold medals in the Seoul Olympics. We supported them in their early days. And, you know, it's hard for young people, especially if there are more than one in the family, for the family to be able to support them. So we try and help as many as we can. We give about 150 bursaries every year. We play people playing hockey and netball and soccer and surfing and y- athletics, every sport that it's possible to support. They uh, put in an application and they have a liaison officer with their governing body. And we get so much pleasure out of meeting these young people who are so well adjusted and dedicating their lives to success in sport. And then they become great ambassadors for the Trust because I'm sure every single person, like you said about Graham there, or Alan with his boat, they remember that. They do. And that's, that's that's just what they needed to get going. That's right. Yeah, and I just love you know we've so many young people and they they tell you such lovely stories. We've a lovely young girl going off to the Commonwealth Games Eve, uh, and she's a um, cerebral palsy sprinter, and she just loves me because I helped her when she was so young, mm. and she and I ended up at the top of uh, Belfast Castle doing an abseil one day, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I what am I doing at my age? I was eighty at the time, and she was about fifteen, and I said. If you can do it, I can do it. And Mary, you don't you don't look eighty at all. I actually <laughs> I actually think you get y- younger. There there must be a portrait in the attic somewhere. <laughs> you look fabulous, and obviously you know your joie de vivre, your energy levels. Do you feel they're the same as they were before? Do you feel any different being no, eighty? I feel absolutely amazing. I did end up in in January with um, a problem. Um, forgotten the name of it now but uh, it it gave me a weakness in my muscles and and I I was feeling very poorly Um, but I've overcome that with medication and I'm feeling wonderful again thank goodness and no sign of, of of slowing up at all, even though it's 50 years. This anniversary, this is a big year for it you is. and the Trust. It is. And you've set yourself a few targets, haven't you? Well, a few years ago, I decided I'd raise a million so that there would be a legacy and there would be some money to invest in the future when I'm no longer here. Uh, but then because of the pandemic, we weren't able to collect money. So it set us back because you can't give out money and not bring more in. So this year, we're making a 
big effort and every opportunity we get to raise money through sponsorship or through me going out and collect with a collecting box or having dinners or golf outings or all sorts of things to raise the money. Because our young people are our future and we've got to invest in them. Now, obviously, your name, you are the figurehead of the organisation, and I'm sure that anybody who thinks they're involved in the Mary Peters Trust wants Mary Peters there. They want, to, And you're so good. You do turn up at everything as much as you can to, to be that visible presence. Is that possible to keep going like that, or do you have to learn to say <laughs> no a little? Well, I'll be 83 next week, so I keep thinking to myself, I've got to slow down. And people shout at me all the time and saying, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. But I love life and love meeting people like I was down in Ross Trevor at Kilbruni on Sunday up the mountain, up to the the stone with the hiking hens. And we took the Commonwealth Queen's baton up to the top of the mountain and it was pouring all the way down here. And the sun came out and the drone went up and we were able to enjoy being up there all clucking away it was wonderful and it was magical i'm sure just that's that's that and that's exactly what sums you up you literally just gave your all but you know what's the most challenging thing about running or being president of a trust because it's not just you there's a team oh absolutely we have a board and we have one and a half staff you know we, we run on a very tight budget because we want to invest all the money in our young people. But um, we do have a, um, a 200 club, which only costs £5 a month, and every month we make a draw and somebody wins £350, which oh. is quite an investment for the price of a cup of coffee. That's great. So, so if pe- anybody was interested, they could MaryPetersTrust.org. The- mm-hmm. And... Um, the more money we get in for that, the more money that we can give to our young people. But we do raise money by so many opportunities. Of um, We have a multi-events track event so that young people can try the pentathlon, decathlon and heptathlon in, in September when Heidi's here. We have an afternoon tea in the Europa Hotel on the 4th of September, which is going to be the food that we would have eaten in 1972. Oh, so give us an example. Well, I haven't actually researched it quite yet, but the hotel are doing that. Yes, but, but I'm sure you remember some of your favourites from the probably time. Probably be vols and Volvons, um, yes. pineapples and cheese oh, and, yes. uh, and an onion on a, stick on a stick stuck in the back of a melon. Okay. Or in a hedgehoggy a, type yeah, thing, yeah, yes, yeah. I remember these. Uh, and people can come dressed in the style of 1972. I said to a man the other day, and he said, oh, I've still got the suit. <laughs> 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 well, I was able to wear my tracksuit. Uh, from 1972 the other day, oh. and it fitted me perfectly. I'm sure it did. You are <laughs> extremely svelte and fit-looking, absolutely. Um, so there'll be a lot of people tuning in today, and if you know this is a slightly different podcast to normal. We 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 have a business focus, and and that is why you're here too. But it's so important to to hear the story and never tire of it. Um, but how does Mary Peters Trust work with corporate businesses? Because you you need them too. Well, we need their money that we can invest that we can. Can spend uh, spend on other people, and so many companies in Northern Ireland have supported us over the years. It's hard for me name to name anyone of because course. then you might leave somebody out. No favoritism. No, it's no, okay. That's, that's right. Fine. 
But people are very generous because the young people can go along and help their company by uh, having a chat to them about how you can be successful in sport or they can become involved in some of our events. We had a great night in the Waterfront Hall with Kelly Holmes and um, Marissa Callaghan, who's oh. the captain of the soccer team. Yes. And Fanula. All eyes on her at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to see them playing down in Southampton, Southampton? against oh. England, yes, because I'm so impressed with the success that they have made. And we have supported some of the, the soccer team. And um, we had a very successful night. We had five sponsors that night supporting us so it brings their name to the fore mm -hmm. but it also makes us realize that these people care about sport and want to put something back and I think that's become more apparent and um, businesses are really thinking about that much more about how they can give something back that corporate social responsibility not just in a box ticking exercise it's about the values of the company it's about who we are as a, as a business and are supportive and I think young people who maybe are looking for a job now look to the businesses and see what do they do? What do they give back? And sports people are good to work in those businesses they because they're de they've dedicated their lives to something already. Like Michael McKillop, for example, is 31. He's never had to work for uh, as a job. And he's really keen to do put something back and does great motivational talks, which go. support the staff in a big way. Well, uh, <coughs> this comes up time and time again in the podcast studio. We talk a lot about sports psychology and team building and you know being an individual representing a team and all of those things and all the time we look to sports and we make the we, we look to the the uh, the comparisons that can be made and the lessons that can be learned in business and we had a, a corporate games on friday last week and the sunshine and all these corporate companies came and competed against each other some serious sports, some fun sports. So that's brilliant. Um, Tell me a little more about that because I'm sure <laughs> people are probably thinking, what could we do for a bit of team building or an away day right now? You could get involved in the Mary Peters Trust corporate games. So how does that work? That well, was the first one. <laughs> yes, well, it's a team of eight and they come along and they, they, they dress in sports gear and obviously have a few challenges and they choose the best of the best in their team to compete in various things. Oh. And we had such fun. And one of the team members was a salsa teacher. So he got Michael and Pinkalip and I up doing our salsa. Do the salsa. <laughs> so it's a little bit of fun, but I'm sure there's a yeah. bit of competition in there too. And we had trophies and prizes for those, yes. And it was great fun. And they kept saying to us, will you do it again? Will you do it again? So next year we'll certainly be doing it. So if there's any companies out there with a team of eight, willing to have a go and have some fun and meet other people from other businesses, well then contact the Mary Peters Trust. So that was something new and how, you know it's all these ideas that you have to keep things fresh but once you have a good idea like that, companies are now that we can get back out again and we've become very aware during the pandemic too of maybe the remote working and the camaraderie or the relationship building there's nothing better than actually taking part in something like this absolutely and such fun it, getting it, the fun <laughs> back as well it was it was it was one of the best days we've had that, that sounds fabulous and um, <clears throat> what does the mary peters trust mean to you oh, it's just very satisfying and and happiness for me to meet these young people like we had a dinner for the commonwealth games on monday night and all these young people were coming over and saying to me 
thank you so much for uh, your support. And the, the Lord, new Lord Mayor was saying, she was saying, all these young people think, you know, it's, it's, they're grateful. You're and so I modest, though. You don't actually realise your presence or the impact that you have. But I just love people. And if we can make it a better country and uh, a more positive country, why not? And when you were growing up, who would you say was your greatest inspiration or your role model or, you know, did you, who did you look to in the sporting world and think, wow, if only I could meet them? Well, the two girls that I talked about, Maeve Kyle and Thelma Hopkins, who became great friends, but there was a lady called Fanny Blankers Kuhn, who was a Dutch athlete, and she competed in the 1948 Olympics, and uh, she would have been the best pentathlete in the world because she was a mother but she won I think she won four gold medals at those games and subsequently she came and opened my health club which I opened in Lisbon many years ago and we were great friends because she team managed the Dutch team as I managed the British team so I had a wonderful I've had a wonderful life and you got to meet your hero and then, you know, uh, realise we friends. good friends. Yeah, That's yeah. so fabulous too. And it's been always about giving back for you, Mary, hasn't yes, it? it has. I mean, I, d- I don't have a great deal of money in the bank, but I have a little home, a, a gate lodge, which suits me fine. And uh, I have a modest car and I have the multitude of friends. And that's the most important thing in life. Oh, that's lovely. And what would you say is the most challenging part of running a trust that has been going now for almost 50 years? It's coming up with new ideas, fundraising, and making people aware. People still say to me, what is your charity? And I'm amazed because we do get a lot of publicity, but there's still people out there who don't know about us and don't know how much good work we're doing. And I'd love everybody to be aware of it. And if everybody gave me a pound, wouldn't have to do any more fundraising. You've heard, you've heard. Lady Mary needs a pound from everybody, so <laughs> we all have to donate today. And it obviously makes such a difference. And I suppose the world as well. You know, it seems like an un- a very unstable place again and for so many, but sport allows you to perhaps step back. I'm even thinking of, of Ukraine and looking at the Ukrainian athletes or actors that have left the country and the support that they get from other people around the world. There is something incredible in sport, whether you're watching or you're participating. Absolutely, and look at how many pages there are in the newspaper of results of sports success. Like I sat up last night watching Serena Williams. And oh, I my goodness. Thinking, oh, wow. That is a lesson to us all on, on persistence and, and perseverance and resilience and, and um, dignity. Mm. And, you know, she has been injured for so long and to come back and play somebody so much younger, but never gave up hope. And we remember those scenes of her actually bowing out a number of years ago and the tears and the press mm-hmm. conference. Could you relate to that in some way? Because when you are at the top of your game, but you think, do I go before I'm not at the top of my game or do I keep going on? I know it's very hard. People say to me, what did you think about would happen to you if you won a gold medal? Never, ever passed my mind what would happen. I wanted to win it, but I didn't realise the result of it. 
So what were the results? Just talk us through how that changed your life. Oh, I I came home to a band playing Congratulations at the airport. I was taken on a, a, the back of a lorry down Royal Avenue to the Lord Mayor and I said, I went for gold, I won gold and I've brought it home for you. And the people were out cheering in the streets and it had been such tragedy up until then. And because of the troubles... I was wheeled out on many occasions when it should have been a politician that should have been invited. So I broke down some barriers in that respect because I never hesitated going to any area of the province that I was invited to. And uh, I feel very much part of this province and people say to me, what are you? And I say, I'm an Ulster woman. Even though I was born in England, I feel very much part of this community. And I... I never thought of the things that have happened to me, by, like the honours that I have received. Never did it for that. I did it because I enjoyed doing it. It's so wonderful. It totally transformed your life. And did you realise at the time that the politicians were actually asking you to go out and talk to the people because you were... Did you realise the responsibility there? No, I just loved it. Because <laughs> it gave me chances to do things that I'd never done before. And when we look at politics and politicians today and they're still not agreeing, um, you know, where do you think we are in Northern Ireland right now? Oh, I feel sad that we're we're at a loggerhead again. But I was standing at the bus stop one day, not that long ago, and a man from the other side of the street shouted at me, Mary Peters for First Minister. <laughs> I was just going to say. I said, oh no, please don't say that to me. I'm on- honest. <laughs> yeah, because actually I'm sure doing the job would be would be very different. Yes. Than, yeah, so you never want to be a politician. Never, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you do such great work and you're still continuing to do that for others who maybe won a gold medal yes they'll all no one can ever take that gold medal away but maybe they drop back a little bit they don't have the same profile over the years and sport as well you talked about Serena there last night you sort of look at Martina Navratilova you know 40 really is the age where it stops how hard is that, do you think? For, I know you haven't had that experience because you, <laughs> your profile has, has remained, but do others talk about that? I don't know. We're, we're having a reunion of the 1972 Olympic team and there won't be that many of us there because a lot of people have passed away, Aww. you know. But I, I have had... Um, I just think... I don't really know how to answer that question. I'm... I'm <sighs> I'm just happy that I'm still here and able to do what I'm able to do. Yes, I know. You're, you definitely know your purpose in life. You were definitely sent to do this. <laughs> um, do you get any downtime at all? And what do you like to do in your downtime? Gardening is my passion yeah. at the moment, but it's been raining so much that it's got a, a bit out of hand. I do some patchwork quilting when I have time. And I have a lot of friends and we walk as often as we can. Beaches, mountains... Uh, topaz wherever we can go we try and vary it so that we enjoy a different part of northern ireland each time and obviously keeping fit is still massively important to you you've just talked about the walking but if anybody's listening today what is what's your advice for aging well and, and keeping fit and keeping active keeping friendships that's vitally important uh enjoying life and doing something each day that gives you pleasure and if it is keeping fit as you get older you can do exercises at home i did a, a 
a, a series for HNI of exercises for the elderly, and lots of people enjoyed that. And there's opportunities to dance or to swim or to do whatever with w- is within your capabilities. They play um, walking football now in some of the leisure centres, and that's for the older generation of men. You know, Brilliant. women are playing. Um, I think it's called pickleball, which is a, a combination of tennis and badminton. So it's over a net, but it's at a slower pace. So there's great opportunities there. The leisure centres are there to be used, and they're very popular. But go and see what's available to you. And it might be that you just want to go into the gym, yeah. do a few weights, walk on the treadmill. But the best is getting out in the fresh air, I think, and I think uh, so too. enjoying. Yeah, and keeping moving and keeping those friendships and relationships, which, as you said, can be hard as you as you mm-hmm. get older and, and, and you lose people. But, um, Mary, what do you think now... Just looking back, we're coming to the the end of the podcast now. You've got so much coming up now, full of memories, full of nostalgia. What are you most excited about? Um, Probably uh, our final dinner, which is going to be on the 2nd of December, a gala uh, event. And then I can perhaps step back a little bit, maybe go and visit my family in Australia and um, just enjoy the rest of my life. Absolutely, Mary. And can you remind people again, if anybody's listening, any businesses interested in partnering with the trust, interested in finding more about the 200 Club, interested in the corporate games, what can they do and how can they donate? Oh, they can do it through the marypeterstrust.org or they can send it to me personally. Oh. Just Mary P. Belfast. <laughs> and it'll get there. <laughs> the postman knows you very well, I am sure. Um <laughs> Now, the purpose of this podcast, and I ask this question to everyone, is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses. But what advice would you give to people who may have an idea, even if it is a trust idea, but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? They can speak to me personally or they can get in touch with uh, Gillian Hetherington, who is our uh, chief executive and we can help them design what might be most appropriate for their business to come on board and help the next generation of young sports people that Northern Ireland can produce. Because when they're successful, it puts a smile on everybody else's face. Just like you do, and you, you're smiling in here, lighting up this podcast studio. I wish we were actually in vision today. Yeah. Lady Mary, Mary P, thank you very much for being on the Public Eye podcast. Join me next time. I'm going to be joined by Paulina Hawthorne from Diversity NI. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.